Hello and welcome to Delight Podcast. I'm Leah Sachs and this is Adam Curtis. Hello, hello. And today we welcome Andy and Grace Rees, who both serve at Surrey Chapel in Norwich, where Andy is lead pastor. Grace describes herself as a full-time pastor's wife and mum. Today, our topic turns to church, and we'll mostly be chatting about what that looks like on a Sunday. Hello, and welcome to our guests today, Andy and Grace Rees. Hello. Andy and Grace. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, at what point do I like to talk? <laughs> yeah, let's do that again and both of you say hello. Okay, okay, <laughs> that'd good. Nice. That'd be nice. Hello and welcome to our guests today, Andy and Grace Reese. Hello. 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 <laughs> it is so good to have, um, to have both of you here on the Delight podcast. And we're going to hear a little bit about your story and your journey with Christ in a moment. Grace, could you just tell us a little bit about both of you? We live in Norwich. We've been married for about 10 years maybe 11 now uh, and we have three <laughs> kids uh, they are nine six and four we've only been in Norwich coming up to two years so not that long before that we're in Worcester and then lots of other places too traveling the world well traveling <laughs> the UK <laughs> it'd be great to hear about um, your story and how you guys came to know Jesus Christ Andy why don't we start with you how did you come to know Jesus well I was brought up in a Christian family in Cardiff, in Wales. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's magnificent, isn't it? Uh, but uh, mum and dad, I won't carry on with the Welsh accent. Mum and dad grew up serving Jesus, knowing him, teaching me the gospel. And I think it's probably a young age. There was a moment where I asked Jesus into my heart, as it were. But I guess as I look back, probably there wasn't a day when, you know, I was brought up to know Jesus as my Lord, um, Saviour. I guess probably secondary school, particularly in sixth form, was where the rubber really did hit the road for me. And, and the question for me is, am I going to keep following and serving Jesus where everyone else seems to be doing stuff that I know I shouldn't do as a Christian? And actually following Jesus in, in sixth form came with a cost to it. It came with a cost because you're excluded because of following Christ and, and not being willing to do what everyone else did. And I guess that was the point where I was like, Look, is this true? Can I really trust it? God in his kindness used that time to help show me that, you know, actually I can believe that the New Testament documents, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection was overwhelming. And actually my experiences of knowing Jesus and forgiven my mm. sins. So six form years, you felt the pressure between what your, your friends were doing or wanting to do. Okay, you made this decision. Okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. Like, what was the process? during that time you know it was an emotional roller coaster really thinking about that both my older brothers um, I've, I've, I'm sort of the youngest by a long way you could describe me as an afterthought <laughs> I do <didn't> love <laughs> not unwanted not unwanted <laughs> just unplanned that's all <laughs> still loved and cherished yes. child of God <laughs> But yeah, so um, um, I've got a brother who's 10 years old, a brother who's 12 years older than me. But actually, both of them are kind of keen Christians. Do you know, I'd spoke a lot to my brother, Steve, during this time. And just, you know, I could see they were 10 years further on than me. Do you know, his counsel, him opening up the Bible with me. Also, just being part of a church family where you could see older people who were convinced and persuaded this is true. This is worth giving your whole life to. Christian community, family who are Christian most of my friends, my contemporaries who were Christian at that time were pretty rubbish. They were not that much of an encouragement, actually. It was older Christians. Lots of them were just were just caving in. 
I was going for it at school. Were you involved with the Christian Union when you were in sixth form? Embarrassingly, when I was at school, my sister used to run the Christian Union. And when I saw her handing out flyers on the corridor, I would walk the other way. <laughs> I love it. I was that discouragement. <laughs> that, you're, that's classic. But so, so I really went for it with the Christian Union. And we used to do loads of stuff. And I used to be quite out there in terms of living for Christ. I remember there was one post that we put, put up during a mission week. And I, I remember being sat in the sixth form common room. So I remember one kid in front of like 200 people sat in the room, taking the poster, ripping it in front of, in front of my face, throwing it at me and spitting at me and saying, what you stand for is disgusting. You know, those moments like that, you're thinking, okay, is this a path we, I want to keep going down? We'll hear more about your story in a moment, but let's, let's turn to Grace. Grace, how did, how did you come to know Jesus? I did grow up in a Christian family. I knew the gospel from from an early age. We were in a very healthy church, which had really faithful kid and youth work. So I had a couple of really good, this little group of girls, four of us, grew up together. But for me, school, I was not, I was known as a nice girl who was popular, didn't really have any enemies. But, you know, I don't think anyone would have said, oh, she's the Christian um they might have said oh you know we know she goes to church but I wasn't like Reese at school at all after school I think I started to question as a teenager like did I really believe this I've always been told it this is what I've grown up with Mm. I've always Mm. gone to church people are lovely all of that but is it actually really you know do I believe it for myself I was a bit obnoxious and stubborn probably and so I decided to take um I was like I'm gonna take a level theology and prove it's all wrong um you know as you do (laughs) but obviously I did not prove it all wrong and if anything it was just like what these people say what that's a load of rubbish like that just does not hold up to what the bible says so that was really helpful and then I I never knew what I wanted to do I had um, you know I wasn't particularly good at anything so I was a bit like oh I'm a bit lost teenager I know I'll just go and live abroad for a while I went to Norway it's a bit random um, for a year. For a year. Great place. Oh, cool. Loved it. Yeah, it was really cool. But it was the first time, I suppose, that I'd not been, you know, I, you literally, I rocked up and I was like, oh my goodness, no one here knows anything about me. And, you know, they don't even speak my language. Mm. I mean, I can be and do whatever mm. I like. At that point, you've got a choice to make about how you're going to live. That was quite significant. And for that entire year, you know, I wasn't at church. But actually, I would say that probably was the year that started to shape me the most. I had to make the decision of whether I thought it to be true myself and I had to live it myself. And I could I could have done what I liked, you know, in terms of lifestyle, but actually making that decision. And wonderfully, the Lord provided another girl who was really going for it in Norwegian. I mean, we barely could understand each other a lot of the time. But, you know, she was just, she was going for it. She taught me how to say the Lord's Prayer in Norwegian, you know. And, you know, it was just really helpful. During that year, I also went to China and visited a Chinese church. I mean, goodness knows what kind of Chinese church it was. I have no idea. But they did sing a hymn with a tune that I recognized. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is, you know. And I'd also been to Mexico and seen Christians there. And I was like, this is worldwide. There is something about that that actually, mm-hmm. it does make you, oh, yeah, there is something in this, to see this in all these different cultures. Mm-hmm. I was applying for, to uni from Norway because okay. I already had my grades and stuff. So it was very straightforward. And my mum called up and said, Grace, you've got 48 hours. If you want to apply to Oxbridge, you need to make a decision and do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, all right. So we had this like manic, like writing my personal statement over the phone kind of thing and then I was like right done and she's like no you've got to choose a college so you can't apply to Cambridge without choosing the college that you're going to apply to 
So I was like, all right, I'll go online. Well, I'm just not very good at research. So I was just like, oh, which ones do history of art? Fine. Right. Write them all on a piece of paper, stick them in a hat and pull one out and that'll do. So, <laughs> so that's what I did. <laughs> Wrote them all on a piece of paper. Now, one, co- one college is called Jesus College. So I'd just written Jesus on a piece of paper, chucked it in. And it was like, and everyone's like, I cannot believe you are deciding. Like all these Norwegians <laughs> who just think, you know, Oxford and Cambridge are like this massive deal. And they're like, what are you replying? And you're just going to pull it out of a hat. And I was like, yeah. So it was a bit of a thing. So we were all stood around this hat. And I was like, all right, this is my life. This is, And it feels at that point where you choose to go to uni is like quite a big deal. And, it, and it's oh, like, yeah. this is what I'm going for. And this is how I, you know, and I'd seen people go to Cambridge before. So it felt more like a lifestyle decision as well to say, this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. I said all right and they were like come on you're gonna pick it out I said okay this is what my life is gonna be let's go pulled it out and it was Jesus college so it just said Jesus and for me that was like actually that was just such a pivotal moment because I didn't pull it out and think Jesus college I just saw Jesus and thought yeah that is what my life is going to be and it doesn't matter where I go actually that's what it's going to be I got a place but I, I made the decision not to go there in the end and I went to Edinburgh, having not visited there either. Best decision I've ever made. After marrying me. Best decision I've made after, <laughs> after marrying me. Obviously. <laughs> after following Jesus, then marrying me, then go to Edinburgh. Okay, so you guys have known each other since 2007. Been married for 11 years. Spent a lot of that time serving little Jesus together. Over this time, how have you guys... Yeah, been spiritually growing. I think we've both grown in that we've both had kind of input and training in certain things in Bible handling, Bible study. We've grown because we've served in various different contexts alongside various different people that has pushed us on or challenged us in different ways. And then just life happens. And I think the biggest growth often is just through when things go well or things go wrong in life and we've been pushed and tested. And also, I just think we've grown through some of the the amazing relationships that we've had with other Christians of varying ages, stages. That is brilliant. What you say about circumstances, when things go well, but actually when things go wrong, you know, suffering in life, which has come in, you know, we haven't suffered loads and loads. There's been a few different things that have happened Mm. that push you um, to trust Jesus in new ways um, they give you a new and fresh longing for heaven that you maybe wouldn't have had without those because you realize this is not the perfect world and it is not straightforward and things do go wrong that probably has been significant for us isn't it grace yeah i think so but it's not just a longing for heaven it actually makes the theory go into practice mm. all of a sudden i know you know god uses things for our good you know I can roll off a lot of biblical truth but it's only when you're actually having to apply it and see it and wrestle with it in real life that then it becomes you know you're practicing these truths that you that you believe but you're actually living through it and dealing with the emotion of that and feeling angry about this and and, you know I suppose you're living the more coloured reality of applying what you've been taught over the years and what you've read through scripture over the years suddenly it has a depth in a situation because you've got to either hold on to it or you've got to accept that it's true even if you don't like it and as you look back through the experiences the highs the lows the good the bad are there particular things which god has been teaching you we see go on grace look you're doing so well grace oh you always make me go first he wants time to think (laughs) (laughs) it is it's like push it on her she can say all the stuff and then i'll say the really like clarified thing at the end no, no, I think I simply also when you when you come out with stuff, Grace, it comes up very clearly, whereas me it's a bit more of a bojangled mess. <laughs> I think God's taught us that He is always good no matter what. 
I think he's taught us that actually he can provide and will provide. And and importantly, he will always provide in the way that is best for you, even whether you don't like it or not. And he's taught he's taught us that it's okay not to like it and to find it really hard and also to be angry and upset and like, this is not what I planned. Mm. But actually he's taught us that that's okay. It's where you land and where you're resting at the end of that as you walk through that. That actually you can still say, do you know what? That, that is still God's will for me and that is still good. We've always seen glimpses throughout of all the hard things that have happened there's always been something that you can say, do you know what, the Lord is so kind in that something. Even though there was all the other stuff I didn't like, actually, I can see some of the good that's come out of it. And I think he's also taught us that he is he is faithful to his word and we can trust his word. And actually, the thing that you keep, you know, if you keep coming back to God's word, keep reading it and keep processing it and looking at it and, and studying it and delving into it, it does help you, it does strengthen you. The spirit does work through it to keep you going. And it is his word where that where that all comes from. It's not kind of how I feel about something. That's great. One of the things that Grace is very good at is when she has the time in terms of going to Starbucks and getting away from the kids, the lovely, beautiful kids, when she gets to do that, she's very good at sort of journaling sometimes and just writing down, her, just thinking through what's been going on and applying God's word to it. That's one of the things mm. that I love about her and I love learning from her. You know, she's very good at reflecting that stuff. And so I'd, I'd agree with all of that. I wouldn't necessarily add to that is there a, is there a specific scenario grace that you would go you know actually this this thing did happen at any point so you have you have children that is a massive life change that no one can nothing can slightly prepare you for and when we had our first child it wasn't straightforward for me personally it's not a happy time and, and you wrestle with the this is what my ex with, with anything this is what your expectation is of something mm. you'll have an expectation in any situation you're going into whether it be moving or getting married or even just on a simple hooking up with friends like we all have an expectation oh I haven't seen this person for ages it's going to be wonderful I'm going to feel great afterwards and sometimes it just doesn't meet up to expectation and something is different and actually a lot of the times of kind of being able to say actually Lord I need to learn to trust you with what my expectation is and what is actually going to happen Mm -hmm. and when they don't match up and whatever emotion comes with that it's okay to feel the pain of it and to, you know, grieve the mourn, the loss of the expectation of what I thought was going to be, but also that actually I can turn that and look to you within it and see your goodness and grace within the new situation. At each stage, God has given us so much goodness in the stuff that we've struggled with, whether that just be a friend who's been given to help us through that situation or whatever it is, down to very little practical things, God has always provided something yeah. that we've been able to say, wow, we needed that and you've given it. Mm-hmm. And it might not have been the answer we wanted, but actually you've given us what can sustain us through. That's gold, Grace. That's one of the benefits of um, of journaling, isn't it? I, I, I've journaled over the years. and Oh, do you read them back? I do read them back. Oh, see, no, 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 no. <laughs> do you not cringe um, when you read it back though, Adam? Does it not make you be oh, like, I oh. Cringe. So I have a, so I actually have different journals. With different, oh, I love so this. You are organised. I have different journals for different moods I'm in. And I have an <laughs> anger journal. You have an anger journal. What is that? Just a lot of like, I hate this. That's not far from it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Are they different? Are they colour coordinated? You know, like is the red one the anger one, and then the yellow one like the smi- smiley happy one? 
<laughs> the anger one, well, the emotional, the, the sadness one as well. On every page is a different wall. The idea is that you're graffitiing on the wall. <laughs> anyway, this is completely... Let me... You need to do a whole podcast on journaling, okay? <laughs> well, we might have to now. You're like speaking to his joy because he loves it. Um, one of the benefits I find from journaling and looking back on these times, and particularly because I journal a lot of my prayers, yes. is... Um, it allows me to see how those prayers have been answered. And in the midst of that, midst of the bad times, the dark times, midst of the times where I feel like I'm at the bottom of the pit, in that moment, I couldn't necessarily say how I can feel that God is good. Mm. But when I look back on those times and see how God was with me in those times, how he took me out of that pit, how he's blessed me in that times and blessed me since that time, I'm like, oh yeah, no, God is really good. <laughs> but it's only through reflecting and looking back that I can actually piece it all together. Grace and Andy, thank you so much for sharing with us your story and what you've learned of God's character. I guess today's topic that we're looking at is church. For a lot of people listening, they perhaps would have just become a believer, just seen who Jesus is. Why do we need church? Uh, we can be a Christian on our own. Is that a fair point or is that not a fair point? Let's direct that at Reese. It's a good question and it's an issue I guess lots of people come across because often their perception of what church is is being directed by the vicar of Dibley or <laughs> or Mr Bean I mean that really dates me both those things date me I'm aware of that but actually they have a total misconception of what church is but I guess the thing I'd want to say is when you become a Christian what is God saving you for and mm -hmm. um, what is the big picture of the Bible? What, what is salvation about? I guess I'd probably summarize it is that God is saving uh, a people for himself through Jesus, for his glory. You know, that's kind of what God is doing through the big plot line of the Bible. He's not saving a person, but a people for himself. So when I become a Christian, actually, what does he what does he want for me? He's, he's saving me to be part of a people. So where is all human history going? It's going towards the church, mm. actually. Mm. That is what is going to be like in heaven. God's yeah. people uh, united around the throne, worshipping the saviour, living for him in relationship with each other. It is the big plot line of the Bible. It's what our hearts long for. So if that person is there thinking, well, why do I need the church? I kind of want to say that is what God has, God has saved you to be part of that final day. And what is church now? It's a little outpost mm. of what that final day will be like. Mm. Um, it's belonging to a people who are encouraging each other to get to that final day. Yeah, that's so helpful because that's the exact opposite of being alone. It's that belonging. It's, it's being as part of a family of something other than yourself, isn't it? Um, Grace, do you have anything, a perspective on that, on what that kind of belonging looks like as opposed to being by yourself in, in the church environment? If you think about it in that sense of you're being saved to be part of a body of a people, the Bible uses various different kind of, I don't know if they're metaphors or similes, my English is rubbish. So one <laughs> of them is when you are saved, you get adopted into God's family. Mm. And that's just another way of saying into the body of the church. It's tricky, isn't it? Because we use the word church and you think the building or the traditions that go on and all yeah. of that, rather than the body of the people, the group yeah. of people. When you think about that image of being in, adopted into a family, and you know that that's where you see it. When you're with the people together, 
that is you part of a big family. And that image, I think, is quite helpful in that sense because it kind of strips away the building. It's about relationship and it's about relationship with one another, specifically one another in relationship to God as well. And so to grow and keep going in your relationship with God, you need other people as part of that. And that's part of the way God's designed it to be from day one and it'll go through eternity. I enjoy that you say it's relationship with one another because of Christ. Which yes. I guess makes our relationships with people within the church look very different to relationships with people outside of the church. Yeah, I think it does. You are united on the fact that you are part of this family and that the thing that bonds you is your relationship with Christ. And I suppose people can relate to the family image because, you know, we've all, we all come from dysfunctional families. Even the mm. nicest families in the world are dysfunctional on some level and have their issues and their struggles. But at the end of the day, you know, there is that kind of, yeah, but we are still family. We're, we are bloods and a lot of that ties us together well what ties us together is actually Jesus mm. there are people in church you know in that expression local expression of church that you think there is no other reason that I would bother with you or that you would bother with me but actually yeah. we have a commonality that joins us and I suppose it's like going back to what I said about seeing churches in other countries and having yeah. friends Christians seeing Christians in other countries where actually their physical church can look so different to yeah. you know my English Anglican church or whatever but the fact that somehow you have this bond you can't necessarily explain it but because they love Christ they love you and and likewise and the thing that is most precious to you and most shapes you as a person they also have there's a commonality on the very fundamental level of not just value but you know belief and your most precious relationship they also mm. hold and cherish that as well. But it is incredible, isn't it, when you're all being united around Jesus Christ. I really like that phrase you, you use there, uh, Grace, that he's yeah, your most precious relationship. Yeah, mm. I, I go into my church and people there are very different, mm. different ages, from different classes, from different cultural sort of backgrounds. And actually, on a purely social sort of level, like there's not necessarily many things which might like hold us together, glue mm. us together. And yet, because we come and we're coming around Jesus Christ to know him, to love him, to follow him, and we're following him together, that mm. that really does like glue us together and hold us together. I mean, you do see that on the big scale, don't you, on a Sunday like gathering or something. But also you, you see it maybe even more so when you meet for a small group Bible study for something. You know, I look back at some of the Bible study groups over the years and you think, there's no way that I would weekly choose to meet with this group of people for any other reason. <laughs> like, you know, and not meaning that in a really horrible way, you know, but just that we've got nothing in common. Our lives are drastically yeah. different, you know, even on our all the other relationships involved in life. You know, there's a single mum, there's not a mum, there's someone who's 80 and there's someone who's 18 and there's someone, you know, it just from every walk of life and you can sometimes be in a Bible study that is just chalk and cheese on a mm. social level. But actually when you're around the word together and you start digging into that and talking about God and your relationship with him and Jesus, all of a sudden there is a bond with these people. Yeah. Because you're sharing that together yeah. and you're seeing how that's playing out in their lives, which it may be very different to your own. You have something so key that's kind of drawn you together. I, I, I really can relate to that difference. And you're just rocking up with these people once a week for this Bible time. It reminds me a bit of Ephesians 22, 22. And we're built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
Mm. And, and together we are being built together. It's a, we can't go alone. We are together, the body. And I think Reason. if you ask any Christian who's been a Christian for a while, yeah. the things that have helped them keep going, there will be key people along the way that God has used to keep them going and to help them. We need these key people to keep us going, to encourage us. And that means we've got to get to know these key people. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not just going to suddenly jump out of the woodworks. We've actually got to be in relationship with them and be open and honest with them. And they've got to be open and honest with us. And yeah, yeah. to be able to stand shoulder to shoulder, to be able to walk together does require just the, the, the every days of relationships. <laughs> well, and, and that actually takes, it, it takes commitment and time. Sometimes some of those relationships where you are really rubbing up against each other and, and, encouraging each other often that I find that also comes in the context of service and mm. serving alongside folk you know I don't know serving Jesus to make him known and to encourage other people to know him better often that in that sort of relationship context you kind of also get to know each other you talk about service and commitment if somebody's like walked into church and they say would you like to serve I, 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 are we talking tea and coffee here Reese? every time any of us go to church there's an opportunity to serve. And actually one of the key ways we serve each other is in the kind of Ephesians 4 language of serving one another by speaking the truth to one another in love. So um, what do I mean by that? As I go to church, I'm not just there to receive, I'm there to engage and talk and spend time with other people and just sort of and talk about what God's been teaching me from that passage that Sunday or what's been going on that week. Mm. But actually every time I go to church, there's an opportunity to encourage someone with the Lord Jesus Christ in a conversation, in coffee afterwards. So like, I think as I go to church, that is part of my mindset. But having said that, okay, we're all called to serve in that one anothering way. Yeah. For church to be able to happen, for people to be able to meet and gather, you know, actually some things do have to happen. You know, for people to have tea and coffee after church, actually take some people to say, do you know what, once a month, I'm going to do that mm-hmm. to enable people to have those sort of conversations. But also in doing that, often I'm serving alongside other people. I get to know them and actually it's kind of, it's both and it's the informal conversations, but actually sometimes it is formally committing to enable some area of ministry to happen in church life. So the language of service is a funny one, isn't it? It's an attitude of thinking. If you think about what a servant is or someone who serves, they are putting other people's needs before their own. So they're choosing in their mindset to say, I'm going to help in some way, whether that be I'm going to help by serving coffee or whether I'm going to help by playing the musical instrument or whatever it is. It's it's thinking, not I am coming here with the attitude of what can I get out of this, but actually how can I be part of this and be involved in this in a way that helps other people. Grace, what would you say to someone who has just walked into a church building for the first time, has listened to this podcast and we're saying, get involved. The person who, for me, sometimes even struggles to walk through the doors at church because the volume of people and that social interaction. What would you say as an encouragement with her just walking through the door? We've just said to them, it's about serving other people. I would say the very fact that you have gone, that is the first thing of service. You know, your presence is the picture of what God is doing in the world. Mm. If you're a new Christian and you walk through the doors of church, there is another person that God has brought into his family for all eternity. And Mm. I get to physically see that and go, wow. Mm. God is doing that and you're here and I'm so thrilled that you're here. That is the first kind of point of serving, isn't it? To actually just physically be there because just by your presence, we can stand around and go, wow, look at that. You know, wow, God has saved some crazy Welshman this week and he's here. (laughs) 
can feel really intimidating, can't it? If you're a new Christian, like, mm. oh, I don't, I don't want to be up the front. I don't want to do that. I have all this pressure to actually physically do something. But the first physical act of coming is the first thing that is just encouraging and is serving in and of itself. And I think, and as you get more comfortable as being part of it and being there, that's when you can kind of start thinking, oh, maybe I would like to be a little bit more involved. When we're together, we're invested, we've we've committed, we're trying as hard as we can to be in our church family. Hmm. How is God at work when we are together as church that's perhaps different to when we're not all by ourselves? There is something unique about gathering for, I guess, what you could call corporate worship. Mm-hmm. As you come together as God's people to sit under his word as it's preached from the front, to sing sing his praises and dwell mm. on his words and encourage each other. So, you know, uh, you get lots of that sort of language um, in the New Testament in Colossians, Ephesians, that as we sing we are not just singing praise and response to God but as we sing we're encouraging each other with the words of God you know as you look over and see uh, old Edna there bless her belting her heart out as you look over and see Edna singing these praises to the Lord Jesus she has served for 85 years and singing them as vibrantly as she did the day she was saved because she's been walking with Jesus all those years, that encourages you in a unique way Mm. to keep going with Jesus, um, to keep following, to keep serving him. That this sort of corporate nature of gathering for worship, to hear God's word, to, to pray to him together. That's something that is not recreated by me or with some Christian friends to play football. There's some, there is mm. something unique. You know, God will work in us through those sort of corporate gatherings. They matter. Mm. And like the language of the body, isn't it, that they use in the New Testament to describe the church. A body is totally interlinked and cannot function without the other bits or functions in it, you know, maybe not in the complete way. There is something that when when you come together, there is something that you have all sat under the same teaching mm. of the word and God will use that teaching for the whole mm. body. Whereas whatever I'm reading in my on my own, God may be really using in my life and applying it, but it's not necessarily applying it to all the rest of the people in my family or my body to build us and push us and, and shape us in a certain mm. direction. Whereas when you're gathered and hearing his word together, then that is something that God is going to use in all of you somehow. Oh, um, yes, praise the Lord. How wonderful that he works that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny, isn't it? Because it's really hard to put your finger on what it yeah. actually is. But then actually sometimes having a bit of time away from church, you're kind of like, I can't quite figure out why and I can't put my finger on it, but I know I need mm. to be back there and I've missed it. And yeah. I guess that's helpful because online church is different to corporately meeting together you do miss something if you think oh i'm going to be an online christian actually that's that's not quite enough because because we're not disembodied spirits we're actually made to have physical relationships with each other and although there are wonderful opportunities that come with online church and maybe serve people like this lady in our church who hasn't been able to come to church for years because of her being homebound and she's been able to connect um, through online church in a way she hasn't done for years. But mm. those are kind of the exceptions rather than the norm. Mm. Uh, for the most of us, we, we need to be physically there because that's the way God designed us to be. It's a totally different experience to hearing preaching when you're physically sat in the room than mm. to watch it online. It's just different. It mm. just seems God, it just, because we're, we're physical. We're yeah. physical. You do need the physical. And um, that's what we're created for. So it's no surprise. It's the kind of, even when you're sat there listening to God's word and someone's 
toddler throws a tantrum in the middle of it or something, you know, if you're online, you don't get the mess of life with it. You get a very sanitized, chosen version of your life and their life. Whereas when you're in the building, you're in there when someone has a coughing fit and has to, has to go out or you're having a bad day and you feel really emotional and you're sobbing during the songs. But all of that is hidden if yeah. you're not physically there. I think that goes back again to the idea of us being in relationship with each other and together growing and and as believers. So what if you're involved in a church uh, and you don't feel that the Bible is being preached clearly or that you have community, like it just doesn't feel like a good space. And I think alongside that, I'm also asking the question is how do I find a good church? To start with, I think it's helpful to think you're never going to find the perfect church, right? You're never going to find the church that is going to tick all your boxes all the time. And if you do find it, when you go there, you don't go because you'll ruin it. Because um, <laughs> the church is full of sort of sanctified sinners. You know, we're saved sinners and we're still wrestling with the old man. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, sin, we are forgiven, redeemed people, but we're still sinners. And you're going to find that in church. But actually, helpfully, what you say there, Leah, we do want to find healthy churches. There's lots of churches, but not all churches are necessarily healthy churches. Mm-hmm. And I guess at the, the start of that, you want to think, okay, what makes a healthy church? Well, you've got to have God's word at the heart of it. It's got to be Jesus glorifying, but it's got to have God's word at the driver of it. Um, and I guess, why is that? If, if God's word is at the, at the heart of it, then God's word will keep on changing the church to be more and more like Jesus. One of the key things you want to be looking for in a church is part the main diet of the teaching expositional now i know that sounds a funny word but expositional means in effect working through books of the bible as a church as a preacher as i preach through books of the bible i'm allowing god to say what he wants to say and he will keep changing and challenging the church it's very easy to go to a church where the pastor only teaches topically on topics Mm. they want to teach on and the trouble is there, in essence, the pastor is saying what they want to say and not necessarily what God wants to say. Mm. But I think a healthy church is at its heart will have the Bible. And I would say this sort of expositional um, teaching as, as the main diet, because actually, if, if that's the main diet, then the church will keep being conformed to being like Jesus. So where actually it's not being that relational and friendly, you should hope that as that, that passage comes up about relationality and friendliness, mm. that is preached and it changes the church to be more like yeah. Jesus in that yeah. aspect. So I think God's word at the heart, that should help people to be more relational. That mm. should also drive us out in evangelism. I think a church, a healthy church will be concerned for people who don't know Jesus. Mm. And if you're in a church that doesn't, isn't that bothered, it's very insular. I'd suggest that's not all that healthy. Are there any places where somebody could find online some resources where some Bible-loving churches might be? You could have a look at the Gospel Partnerships website. Great. And that would recommend lots of good churches that would be sort of people who love Christ and love his word and love sharing it with other people. That would be a good place. I mean, we're part of a network called the FIC, and that wouldn't be a bad place to start. What does that stand for? Uh, <laughs> fellowship of independent evangelical churches yeah so um there we go that's catchy. what it's called it is catchy. <laughs> very yeah. very catchy um adam where would you look if i read the bible with a friend and i got to know jesus through through reading the bible with them if i'd done a course at a local church which had really taken me to jesus 
I think I would, yeah, want to follow these relationships and where do they yeah. go to church? Even if that means, yeah, maybe, maybe it is a little bit further away from where I live. This person has helped me see Jesus um, and helped me trust Jesus. So I'm going to trust them and the church of Gaty. That is a brilliant answer. absolutely love Grace and Andy I just mm. think they're the most loving kind and generous people and it's so good to um yeah be able to spend this time with them I thought what we were talking about right at the beginning of our conversation about church how actually churches as, as individuals gathering around uh, mm. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the one who who glues us all mm. together and forms us into this building into this body into this community of, of brothers and sisters and it's just such a, a rich vision because actually, like our society at the moment, like we're just so individualistic, mm-hmm. and we all just think it's about me and my personal happiness and my personal growth. And and actually, no, 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 church like throws that out of the water. And it's like no, no, it's about this whole community coming together, this whole community growing together. And actually, as we come together and grow together, God is working powerfully in us individually and in us collectively. And that's such a completely different mindset to just walking through a building on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening, isn't it? It's about this journey and this relationship together that is vital to part of the Christian life. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? So these friendships and relationships, they make up the body of Christ. And I just love that we are all different. We have different purposes within the church. We can all serve and encourage and how that looks different for every single person. And that brings a lot of encouragement and calm to me because I don't have to go into church and be all things to all people. Whilst I want to love the people there, it's not about showing this perfect side of yourself. It's about being real and vulnerable and sharing your life with other believers so that they can encourage you to keep going. Yeah, we exist for more than just ourselves. (laughs) We exist for Jesus Christ. And thus we exist to be a part of his body, which Mm. is the church. And whilst we go to church on a Sunday... That church family continues during the week, doesn't it? Whether it's in mm. having your, your Bible study time or going out for a coffee with a mate to praying with someone to reading the Bible with someone else to just texting a mate and going, this is a really tough day. Can you please just pray for me? Just checking in. It is such precious, precious relationship with other believers. Yeah, and I, and I need those relationships. I need these relationships I have with church to spur me on. I need these relationships to help me love and follow the Lord Jesus. We live in a world which is very individualistic, but actually that's a horrible world. <laughs> I want I want to be surrounded by people who are my brothers and sisters who are going to love me and support me and care for me and who I in turn get to love and support and care. And we together as a body get to love and worship the Lord God. Amen. Thank God for the church. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. We always like to ask our guests one bonus question, and that is, what is the one piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? Go for it, Reese. Keep believing that the gospel is God's power to save anyone. And so be brave with that. Don't be ashamed. Keep going. Because there are people who are desperate to hear about Jesus and all that he has done for mm. dying, dying for us. Yeah. Amen. How about you? Go for it, Grace. I would say when you've got the time, get into the bible as much as possible brilliant don't just read it really study it thank you so much grace and andy for your time today we're really thankful thanks pleasure Pleasure. 
Thank you so much to Andy and Grace Reese for being our guests on episode four of Delight Podcast. And if you want to delve a little deeper into what church looks like, Adam has written a blog on the topic, which you can find on the Delight Podcast website. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram at Delight Podcast and our email is hello at delightpodcast.com. If you fancy Twitter and Facebook, just search Delight Podcast. If you think what you've heard today might be of interest to others, please do like, share and subscribe. This is Adam and Leah delightfully signing off. Bye-bye. Bye.